Wow. That's about all I can say about that. Um, hey, you guys having a good weekend this morning? Or th this weekend? Having a good weekend this weekend? I guess that's how you say it, right? Um, is that a no? Yeah? Okay. It's nice outside. Um, so, hey, first, before we get started, I just want to say, um, from a student ministry standpoint, we want to say thank you to all of you. Um, for helping us build this building that's right behind this wall. You guys have been coming in the last few weeks, a couple months, and you've noticed that there are, are new buildings coming up, our, our new student center. And so that's been exciting. We are so excited to see what God is going to do uh, through that tool of, the, of that building. So I uh, want to say thank you and also want to encourage you, man, it's nice outside. Go out there. If you have time after the service, go out there and check it out with your family. Um, this is something that our church doesn't get to do often you know, build a new building, and it's kind of, it's a special thing. So go out there, check it out. You could get the kind of vision of what's going to happen and what it's going to look like. And so, again, I just want to say thank you. So for the past, past few weeks, we've been, look, we've been talking about um, fear, all right? We've been in the series called Strings, and we've learned that, I mean, we're all afraid of a lot of different things, right? I mean, a lot of us, we're, we're afraid of rejection. Uh, some of us, we have the fear of commitment. How many of you guys are afraid of snakes, Right? Snakes. I hate snakes. I don't, I don't want to touch a snake. I don't want to see a snake. I don't, I don't want to be with a snake. Um, we fear death. Uh, we fear hurting others. We fear being hurt by others. Uh, fear of heights. Uh, every week you walk into church here and you know that intro video is going to play. But even when you see it, you fear that still. You know, and it's kind of creepy. Um, we fear public speaking. I remember my first time. Um, how many of you... How many of you were like me in high school or college that you took a class called like speech? Speech class or comms or, you know, whatever they call it. Man, I hated speech, right? I, I didn't, I don't know anybody that thoroughly enjoyed speech class, okay? Nobody likes speech. I don't know why they make us take that. Um, I remember my first time, I mean, I, I had the fear of public speaking for, for real. I remember the first time, my first speech in speech class, it was while I was in high school, I was taking a class at Terra. And, uh, and, you know, the person before me, she was, she was, you could tell she was wrapping up. And you're just like, no, keep going. You know, <laughs> come on. You could do it. And it's just, and it's, yeah, I mean, I was nervous. You know, I'm, my heart's beating. I'm starting to sweat there in my seat. I haven't even gone up there. And then she's done. And then I walk up. And then I'm up there. And I remember holding my notes. And, and my, my papers were shaking. Like, I was like, I got to, you know, I couldn't stop shaking because I was so nervous and I just hated it and then and then I started you know rambling through whatever I was talking about and it was I was just embarrassed I was like there's nothing that could stop this this is just terrible I'm so embarrassed I can never come back to speech class again you know it was just I just remember I hated it which is kind of weird because now I speak in public like you know that, that's what I do for a living now you know in front of in, with students and all kinds of stuff on a weekly basis it's, it's my job uh, do you guys realize that you as a Christian, I'm, really today I'm only talking to those people who have a real relationship with God and you would call yourself a Christian. Do you guys realize that we as a Christian, we have a job to do? All right, do you realize that we have a job to do? And it involves speaking to people. See, the last thing that Jesus said before he went back up to heaven is he's got his disciples. He, 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 he lived a life, he, he died on the cross, and he came back for a short period of time. And he goes to his disciples and he says, hey guys, listen. I'm going back up to heaven, uh, and now it's your turn. He says, he says, I got a job for you, I got a mission, I got a challenge for you, and this, and this is it. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. All right, I want you to go, I want you to spread the word, I want you to tell people about what I've done for them. All right, now that may not involve talking to large groups of people, 
at a time. But he's saying, I have a job, I have a mission, and, and it's kind of important because lives are on the line. Like, like, it's, like it's, it's actually really important because people's eternal destinies are on the line here. And I feel like uh, really the sad part for us as Christians is that most of us, we don't do that. Right? Most of us, I feel like a lot of us in this room, we've never talked to someone who is not a Christian about Jesus. We've never done it. Yeah, we talk to our friends and we talk, you know, at church and, and we do that kind of thing. But a lot of us in this room, we've never talked to a person who is not a Christian about Jesus and about what Jesus has done. And I think the problem is we have fear. And fear, it ruins, it ruins our personal ministry. I mean, fear, it keeps us from focusing on what is truly important in our life. It keeps us from focusing on our job. Uh, fear is the reason why we don't tell our family members or our best friends, those people that we have our best relationships with, about the good news, about what Jesus has done, which is the most important news that you could ever share with somebody. It all comes down to fear. And so this is what I want to do this morning. This morning, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament, and it's really a story that teaches us uh, some good principles about how we need to overcome fear in our life and how we need to get out of our comfort zone and how we need to take action. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. That's where we will be for the majority of the morning. And while you're doing that, let me give you some background on kind of what's, what's going on. Uh, Israel is being ruled by judges. Okay, now you guys should be somewhat familiar about the judges period of Israel because that's what we talked about all summer. We went through our judges series. And so Israel, they're being ruled by judges and, and it's a mess. Things are not going well. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, there's countries coming in all around Israel. They're coming in. They're taking whatever they want. They're killing whoever they want. I mean, it's not safe in Israel. It's just, it's just a terrible, terrible situation. I mean, they're like, they're like the Cleveland Browns of that area. They're getting owned by everyone around them, you know? I'm sorry. <laughs> but they're getting owned by everyone around them, and especially this people group called the Philistines. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you, you've heard of the Philistines before uh, because, you know, David and Goliath, Goliath, he was a Philistine, you know, and, and so they're one, of the, they're one of the people groups that are just owning Israel, and they, they, they're taking whatever they want, they're, they're you know, they, they completely own that country. And so the Israelites are trying to figure this out, and they're like, man, this isn't working for us. And so they go to Samuel the prophet, and they say, hey, Samuel, this whole thing of God as our king, this isn't working so well for us. As you can see, uh, we're, we're not following God's commands. We're not, we're not doing this right. And so they say, hey, all the nations around us, they all got kings. Why don't we have a king? We need a king. And so they say, hey, tell God that we want a king. Tell, tell God to give him a king. And so even though it's not the best situation for the, for the country of Israel, God decides to give him this king, and, and they, he gives him this guy named Saul. Now, when the Philistines hear, out, hear that, that Israel has established a king, I mean, they're just like, whoa, Israel's not allowed to have a king? You know, they're just like, Israel can't have a king? They're not allowed to have a king? Who gave Israel permission to have a king? All right, we own them. We're their king. They can't just go start a form of government. They can't do that. And so is, the Bible says that the Philistines assemble. So they're calling all their buddies and, and, and they assemble a huge army. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, it says, it says, now the Philistines assembled to fight with Israel. It says 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And the people, like the sand, which is on the seashore, in abundance. Basically, what the author's trying to tell us is they're saying, hey, they assemble this huge army. I mean, you've been on a beach before. It's impossible to count the, the kernels or the little grains of sand. You can't do that. It's, it's impossible. That's what the author's saying. He's saying, yeah, they could count 6,000 horsemen, 
Yeah, they could count 30,000 chariots. That's nothing. But they can't count the amount of men in their army. It's so massive. And so they, and their whole goal is basically, hey, we're going to go take out the king. We're going to take out the prince, Saul's son, and we're going to take, and while we're at it, we're just going to wipe out all the rest of the Israelites, um, and, and, and we're just going to wipe them off the map. And so the Bible says that the, that the Israel army, and, and it uses this word, says they are trembling. All right, can you picture that? I mean, they're trembling because they got this massive army in front of them. They are trembling and waiting for battle. They are filled with fear. Not only that, but this Israel, the, the whole nation of Israel, they don't have any weapons. Why? Because the Philistines have owned them for so long, for generations, the Philistines have made it a law that, that they weren't allowed to have any blacksmiths. And they really did that for two reasons. Number one is so that Israel couldn't make weapons, all right, and, and rise up against them. Number two is so that Israel would have to come to them for all their blacksmithing needs, whatever that might be. And, um, and then they would charge Israel, they would charge an Israelite a, a lot higher of a price. So they make a bunch of money off of it as well. So you got this Israel army. Actually, they do have two weapons. I forgot to mention. They do have two weapons. King Saul has a sword and his son Jonathan has a sword. That's it. Two weapons in the entire country. Everybody else, they got their pitchforks and their rakes. You know, they're basically, it's an army that's unarmed. And so this is a dark, dark time for the Israelites. I mean, they went from, hey, check it out. We're a, we got a king. We're a kingdom again. We're a nation just like everybody else. To, oh, man, somebody told the Philistines, we're all going to die. You know, it's just terrible. In fact, the Bible says that the Israelites are hiding in caves and holes and even in bushes. I didn't know you could hide in a bush, but they were hiding in, in bushes even. I mean, they are scared. They're, they have fear within them. It looks like there's no hope. It looks impossible. That brings us to our story. And so uh, let's, let's say this. We got, a, we got a big hill, okay? And on top of that hill, we have the Israel army. There's 600 men with Saul and his son Jonathan. By the way, 600 men, that's less than the people that's, in within, that's within this room. And so that's not very much. And by the way, they're unarmed. Okay, they got the pitchforks and rakes thing going on, you know. And so they're on this hill. Then you got this, they got this canyon uh, with sharp rocks and stuff, the Bible says. And then on this side, you got a hill. And this is this army that is, that is so huge that they can't even count them. I mean, it's just, it's just massive. And so that's kind of the situation. The Bible says that, that Saul, King Saul, he happens to be in the back of the army. So he's in the back of his army sitting underneath a tree. And he's kind of in the, you know, the safest place, right? He's in the safest place, the most comfortable place. And he, he's not messing around. It's almost, like, it's almost like he's ready to, like, take off if he needs to. You know what I mean? He, he's ready. He's got his escape route plan. And so, but in contrast, his son Jonathan... He's on the front lines. Jonathan, he's on the front lines. He can't, he can't sleep. He's getting restless, all right? The thought of the enemy walking over here and beating up on his boys just, you know, ticks him off. And uh, the thought of not getting their job done, the thought of not taking action, the thought of just waiting around, which is what they were doing, is just, it, it just bothers him. It irritates him. The thought of th these people who are, who are oppressing God's people coming in here, I mean, it, it, it bothers him. And so that's where we're at in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Verse 6, so this is, this is what happens. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, he says, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. By the way, when uh, he, the author's saying uncircumcised, or when Jonathan's saying uncircumcised, basically he's talking about the enemy, all right? It's somebody who's not Israel. It doesn't mean anything, you know, for today. So anyway, um, and then the Bible says, Perhaps, all right, perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. And so his armor bearer said to him, 
He said, do all that was in your heart and turn yourself, and here I am uh, with you according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the uh, men and reveal ourselves to them. And if they say to us, hey, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be a sign to us. And so I want you guys to picture everything that's kind of going on here. This is where we're going to dive in. Jonathan, all right, he's a prince. He's young. All right, he's just pacing back and forth. I mean, he can't sleep. He's getting restless. He hates the waiting around thing. And so I think he, he just goes up to his armor bearer, kind of kicks him, you know, and he's just like, hey, wake up, all right? We, we, got, we got to do something here, okay? Waiting around, this isn't, this isn't right. We got some work to do. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell my dad. Don't tell this person. You know, he's just like, let's, wake up. Let's go grab your rake, you know, or whatever, whatever he's got. He says, I got this idea. All right, and he's talking, to, he's talking to his armor bearer. He's like, hey, you see there, there's like this, this little hill or this little cliff up there. You see those Philistines up there? And the armor bearer's like, yeah. He's like, okay, do, do you see, um, do you hear them up there? Yeah, I, I, I can hear them. He's like, I got, this, I got this great plan. I'm thinking we go up like halfway and we just shout out to them. And, um, and, then, and then we just see what happens. I don't know. Let's, let's just see what happens. You know, and his arm bear is just like, that, that's your plan? Okay, that's, that's what's going on here? That's not, that's not a good plan. And, and so I picture his armor bear is like kind of questioning him a little bit because I would if I were in that situation. And so, you know, he's probably like, all right, so, so you're saying we're going to go up there um, and, uh, and should, I, should I grab some of these other guys with us? Or should we go up there and, and, you know, grab some guys? Let's all, let's all go up there. And he's like, and, and, you know, he's like, ah, you know, I was kind of thinking it would just be me and you. I don't know, you know, let's just see what happens. Maybe, maybe God, maybe God will do something. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, God. So you telling me, you telling me, Jonathan, that, that God told you to do this? Like God's with you. God told you to do this. All right, right? He gave you some like, some special vision and, and this is what we're meant to do. And he's like, actually, he didn't really tell me to do anything. You know, he's just like, actually, I was just thinking maybe we'd go up and I don't know, maybe he'll show up. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Have you ever been in the situation where you're with one of your friends and they're like super excited about some idea, right? And, uh, and, and they're telling you and, and they're all about it. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you're just like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard of in my life. You know what I mean? But you don't want to tell them because you're trying to be a good friend. It, 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 does that happen to people? Maybe you're sitting next to that person right now and so that's why you're like keeping quiet. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong people and, you know, I don't know. Um, but that's kind of the situation I, I, I think is going on here. And, and his armor bearer is just like, this is not a good idea. And then, and then he says, okay, so Jonathan, are you thinking we'll go up and we'll like sneak up on him, right? Okay, I, I, God didn't tell us to do this. It's just going to be me and you. Sounds crazy. So we're going to sneak up on him and just like take a few of them out and then run back. And Jonathan's like, no, I was thinking we might go like, I don't know, halfway up and, just, and, and yell out to him. You know, this is crazy. All right, and his plan is, his plan is if they, when they see us, if they say, hey, we're going to come down to you, then, then we know that God's probably not in it and, you know, this isn't, we'll just stay where we're at. But if they say to us, hey, guys, come on up, then we know that God's with us, okay? We know that God's for us and he's going to do something crazy uh, today through us. I mean, think about it. That, even that within itself is crazy. That, that would be the natural thing for these guys to say is to say, hey, come on up. 
Yeah, come on up. We don't want to climb down. Come on up, and, uh, and, and we'll fight up here. That's the natural thing for them to say. It would be like me, um, like, like one of us tr- wanting to do something kind of risky, uh, really risky, let's say that. And we make a deal with God. We say, hey, God, um, I want to do something risky, so I want a sign from you. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to hold this door open for this lady who's walking by. And, uh, and if she says thank you when I hold the door open for her, then I know that you're with me. But if she doesn't, then, then I won't. I mean, that would be the cultural norm thing for her to do is to say, hey, thanks. That's kind of the same situation here, right? It, it, he, it's not some secret code that he's looking for. It's almost the normal thing that would be said. And so, and so that's what Jonathan's saying. He keeps saying, hey, perhaps or maybe God will use us. Yeah, maybe we will die too. I don't know, all right? Honestly, I don't know if God will show up. I don't know what, what's going to happen. But he's like, we have to do something. We can't just wait around. And so his armor bearer, you know, he's probably just sweating and just like, oh, this isn't how I wanted to die. You know, and, and he's just like, you know what, do whatever's in your heart. I, I'm, I'm with you, you know. And so what I want to point out is, you know, he's, is that here is an entire country that the Bible said is, says is trembling in fear. And here is this guy, and they have reason to, okay, it's, it's a legitimate reason. And here is this guy who refuses to let fear control his life. Really, for us, I feel like this is a prime example of how we need to live our life. All right? In reality, we have work to do. God says we have work to do. But a lot of Christians, we're a lot more like King Saul than we are like Jonathan. All right? We like to stay in our comfort zones. We like to stay in the back. We like to stay in the safest place possible, like easy, for the easy escape. All right? We all come up with excuses as to why we can't do the work that God has commanded us to do it. Oh, it's not comfortable. It's awkward. Yeah, it is awkward. Um, it's, it's the pastor's job. It's, it's not my job. That's, that's what the pastors are, are supposed to do. No. What if they reject me? Or here's, here's one that I hear a lot. Pastor Zach, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? You know, even that sounds crazy to me because I'm like, okay, so you're saying if you're talking to somebody about Jesus and they ask you a question about Jesus, that's a bad thing? You know, that's what's going on here. What, what if that, we come up with these excuses, you know, think about, you know, what if they think about me differently? Or, or this place is too public. Other people might hear us. Look at Jonathan here. He had every excuse possible to not take action. I'm not in charge. We're incredibly outnumbered. All right, we don't have weapons. I mean, the problem is for us is we view ourselves as a spectator When God's saying, no, you were never designed to be a spectator. You've been designed to play in the game. See, the difference between us and Jonathan is we sit around, we wait for God. It's like like we're waiting for some secret code. It's like we think, hey, if I live a good life and I I do everything right, I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to talk to people about Jesus because they'll come to me. God will do all the work. No, that's not what God's saying. God is saying, no, 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 no. That's That's not what I pulled you to do. I've told you what needs done. Now you need to go do it, and then I'm going to show up. See, God's work for our life, it requires action. It requires facing our fear. And Jonathan and his armor bearer here, they don't know the outcome. God never told them to do anything. They don't know what's going to happen. All Jonathan knows is that God is big and that he doesn't need an army and that God requires action. He wants action and that all God needs is our faith. See, many times we have to make the first move. 
And so that's where we're at. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they go up. They go up halfway, and they shout out to the guys. And about, there's about 20 people up there. And, um, and remember, the whole army is behind them. And the Philistines see them, which is kind of funny because the Philistines, they start making fun of them. They're like, oh, look, hey, guys, come over here, look. There's a, there's a couple of Israelites. And, and so they start making fun of them saying, hey, it uh, looks like they're finally coming out of their holes. They're finally coming out of their caves. You know, what bush did he crawl out of? You know, I don't know. They're, they're, the Bible says they start making fun of them. And, um, and, and the Philistines say, hey, hey, guys, sure, why don't you guys come up? We're going to teach you a lesson. By the way, usually... When people who's your enemy says, hey, come here, I'm going to teach you a lesson, usually that's when you start backing away, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go this way. Um, but Jonathan, you know, I feel like he and his armor bearer is just like, oh, no, you know. And it, it, he nudges his armor bearer and he's like, man, did you hear that? They want to teach us a lesson. This is the answer. God's going to be with us. This is what we've been waiting for. This is great news. You know, he's all pumped. He's excited about it. And the Bible says that they, they crawl up on their hands and feet because, because this is a canyon, which, by the way, is dangerous in, in and of itself. And they get up there. Jonathan, he takes out his sword, and he just starts going down on these guys. He's just like sling, sling. You know, he's, he's slicing these guys up. And I don't know what the armor bearer is doing necessarily because he's got like a rake or a shovel. I think he's just raking up the body parts, you know, behind him. Like, <laughs> dude, Jonathan is good. You know, he's, I don't know what he's doing. He's just going to town with his rake. And, um, and they start taking people out. The Bible says, the Bible says that Jonathan and his servant, they go up and they kill about 20 guys in a half acre of land. And I feel like for us, because we've never been in a, you know, battle before, um, I feel like for us, we read past that and it's like 20 guys in a half acre of land. Oh, that's great. Okay, we keep moving. No, you got to realize one versus one is a good fight. A one to 10 ratio is a slaughter. And by the way, one of those guys, only one of those guys had a real weapon. All right, this, this is something, I mean, God is working through them. This is crazy. And when they're doing this, it gets the attention of God. Remember, God never told them to do a specific thing. They just understood that God expects them to take action. And they're stepping out on their, on faith, on, in faith on their own. See, so many times we wait for God to tell us something, and he is saying, hey, Go do something on your own, and when you start doing something on your own, then I'm going to show up. See, Jonathan, he has no idea. That's why he says perhaps. He says perhaps, I don't know, you know, perhaps God will show up. Perhaps God will do something through us, and that gets the attention of God. And so God's up in heaven, and he sees what's going on, and he's like, Whoa, you know, that Jonathan guy is risky. I like that, you know. And the Bible says, so, so God, he, he throws an earthquake or, you know, he, he hands them an earthquake. I don't know exactly how that would be. So he, he makes an earthquake happen. And uh, in the Philistine camp, I mean, they start going crazy. They don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's dark. Uh, there's an earthquake. There's animals running wild. You know, there's, there's um, they hear people dying in the distance. They don't know what's going to happen. And so they don't know who's the enemy. They don't know who's on their side, who's a friend. And so they get out their swords. They start killing each other. You know, they're just slicing each other up and like, oh, I just stabbed my cousin on axe. I'm sorry. You know, and they don't know what's going on because they don't know. They don't know. They're just like, they are filled with fear. And so throughout this whole story, God does this incredible thing with Jonathan because Jonathan was bold, courageous, faithful, not afraid. It took a risk. And this whole, after this whole thing, that's, this saves the whole country of Israel. 
When Jonathan does it, it gets God's attention. It gets him in on the action. Not only that, but when Saul, Saul's, remember, he's way in the back of the army. He's in his safe zone. He's in the most comfortable spot in the back. And when he, I mean, they can hear something's going on. They're like, sounds like, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people are dying because there are. And so um, Saul, he sends in his army. He's like, hey, we got to get in on this action. He sends in some, his army. And so even Saul gains courage, all because Jonathan did the hard thing. All because Jonathan didn't let fear cripple him. You see, when we talk to people about Jesus, not only does God come through, and God uses that, he honors that, but other Christians that are around us, they're encouraged by that as well. They're encouraged to do the same. It really makes me wonder how many of our friends and family would have a real relationship with God or with Jesus if we would face our fear. I mean, just think about that for a second. How many of the people that we're closest to, or or just just have any relationship with, it doesn't have to be, you know, a a close relationship or whatever, how many people that, that we have a relationship would actually have a relationship with God because we would face our fear? How many more would that be? Paul in the New Testament, he reminds us in 2 Timothy of verse 1, Uh, or sorry, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. See, when we become Christians, we get certain, God gives us certain traits, right? He gives us power, love, discipline. But there are also some certain traits that that should not be found in us. And one example that, that... God's saying here, he's saying a spirit of timidity should not be in a spirit of fear. That's what that word means, fear. It should not be found within us. We should not have it. It should not exist within us because he hasn't given that to us. See, when we give our life to Jesus, that's what we get. See, some of us in this room, we're a lot like the Israelites, right? We run and we hide instead of taking a stand. We don't talk to people about Jesus because, honestly, it's so, you know, we're so fearful. We, we do the opposite. We run and we hide instead of completing our mission, instead of doing the work that God has called us to do. Or maybe some of us in here, which might be a little bit better, but we're a lot like King Saul. Yeah, we, you know, we stand up for what's right. We, we live a good life. We have that fear in us, though. Um, and, and we know what needs done, and, and I don't know, we're kind of there. You know, we, <coughs> we're kind of there, and we're, we're, we're kind of doing the right thing, but in the end, nothing gets accomplished. It's like we never actually start. We never actually open our mouth to say any words. See, every single one of us in this room, we need to be a lot more like Jonathan. We need to be willing to face our fears. We need to be willing to take a risk. That's what God honors. See, God will do things through you, and this sounds so cliche and so really lame to me, but, but God will do things through you that you would never believe. I mean, just crazy stuff, and that's the truth. I remember when I was in, I was in, college, I was in seminary, I took a class called evangelism class, and really that class changed my life. Uh, it changed the way that I view my everyday life. Um, and one day, we were, my teacher, he called up this lady who, and she was an older lady. She was actually in the hospital at that time. 
And uh, this lady had kept track of how many people, she knew them by name, she had lists of how many people she had shared the good news of what Jesus has done for them uh, with them. Does that make sense? So she had talked, about, talked to about Jesus. She had a whole list, and she had kept track of how many of those people um, started a relationship with God with her or, or through her, okay, which was just crazy. I, and the number was up in the thousands, like literally thousands of people that she knew of. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, that, that it's a lot larger, Thousands of people that she knew that had come to Christ because she had talked to them about Christ. I mean, just, and I would just remember being, like, my mind was blown. Just like, whoa, this lady is a champion, you know. And, uh, and so she, so we were talking to her about, you know, how, just asking her questions and, you know, how, why is this so easy for you? You know, what, what tactic do you do? You know, what if they ask you a question that, that you don't know? You know, and we, we're just asking her all these questions. And I remember one girl in my class, she says, um, when was the last time that you, sh- that you talked to somebody about Jesus? And I remember it was a little awkward because the lady, the lady on the phone, she was like, ah, I'll just tell you. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, what's this? Usually when people start off that, you know, there's, some, there's a reason um, that they shouldn't tell you, I guess. Um, and so she was like, yesterday I was in the hospital, and I had to go to the bathroom. And, um, and she said, so I, I had to call in a nurse because I needed help. And so the nurse took her to the bathroom, and she's like, she said, I was sitting there. She called the toilet a commode. I guess people do that. I don't know if that's an older thing or what. I don't know, a commode. Um, And so she said, I was sitting on the commode, and the nurse is just standing there. And she's like, and we weren't doing anything. And so I was like, well, this is an opportunity. I need to talk to this. And so these words are like burnt in my mind. She said, and so I shared the love of Jesus with this nurse while I was sitting on the commode. (laughs) And I just remember sitting back and I'm like, whoa, you know, this lady, like that's who I want to be. She overcame fear. I don't necessarily want the same circumstances (laughs) that she had, those same opportunities. But think about it. This lady, she didn't wait for the perfect moment by any means. Right? She took every opportunity. Part of the problem, people, is that we just need to, um, we need to recognize the opportunities. Man, think about your week, your schedule, um, even on a daily basis. How many opportunities God gives us every single time that you're talking with somebody, every single time that, you, that you're with somebody that you don't know if they're going to heaven or hell when they die. That's an opportunity. Whether that's at, it doesn't matter if you're with them for 30 minutes or with them for, for 10 seconds. It doesn't matter, right? That could be at the store. That could be um, at the fast food place, in the drive-thru. That could be at work. That could be at school. That could be at the bank. You know, there's so many opportunities that God gives, gives us. Every time you're with somebody that you don't know where they're going for eternity, that's an opportunity that God's saying, hey, it doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to get into a huge conversation. It doesn't matter if you just don't have time. But that's an opportunity for you at, to at least invite them to church. Now, inviting them to church is, is really the easy way. God, God requires a lot more than that. But so many Christians, we live, this drives me nuts, we live by praying some prayers, by coming to church, by filling out that card every week, and, and living a safe life. And we think that's enough. You know, so many of us, it's like, hey, if I'm a good person, then, then that's all I need. Because when I'm a good person, I'm a light in a dark world and people are going to see me and, and people will come to Jesus just because, just because I'm, a good, I'm a good guy. Or I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm good. No. God requires a lot more. God's standard is way higher than that. Yeah, that's a, that's a small part of it. But God's standard is way higher. He requires action. 
Others of us, this is another thing that drives me nuts, we shut ourselves in. All right, it's like we take steps to not rub shoulders with people. I mean, this is not how God, God has designed our lives to be. It's like we, we, we say, hey, the world is so dark and evil, and I'm not supposed to be part of it. And I, and, and I can't, I can't uh, you know, that, that's, I don't want to, to be with the evil, the evil people out there, and I don't want my kids mixing with them. And, and we're just going to shut our doors, and this is our little Christian cocoon here. Yeah, we'll go to church, but they're Christians, so that's okay. You know, it's like we, we shut ourselves in. God's saying, no. That's not how I designed your life. Jesus was the one that said, listen, I have designed it. I am sending you into the world. Your job is to rub shoulders with people. Your job is to talk to people. That's your job. It's the most important thing. It was the last thing that Jesus said before he went to heaven. It's, it's, it's what we call the Great Commission. That's what we are meant to do here on earth. So my challenge to you this morning is live the life that God has called you to live. How many of you, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand, how many of you could honestly say that when it comes to talking to, to people about Jesus, that's something that you're probably not the best at? Or you're, you probably don't do uh, most often like when you should. You don't take every opportunity that God gives us. Man, that's something that, that we all do. Why? It's because fear stops us. So cut the strings of fear that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. Live out the life that God has designed us to do. Take the opportunities that God gives us on a daily basis. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. Uh, God, we ask that you, re that you would remove the fear in our life. Help us to take those opportunities. We thank you for giving us opportunities to rub shoulders with people and to talk to others about Jesus. We ask that you would help us do it. That you would help us take action, just like Jonathan did. We don't need to wait for some secret code or some secret word for you. God, you want us to do it, and then you will show up. Lord, we thank you for loving us enough to do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, don't forget, next week we're going to continuing, we're gonna be continuing on in our series called Strings. Pastor Kevin will be bringing the message. Also, next week is time change, so you get an extra hour, and so that's always good as well. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>